I think it's very daunting to look at the idea of podcasting and say, there are a million podcasts out there. How am I going to stand out? You know, you don't have to stand out against the backdrop of one million podcasts. This is the Pod On Podcast. We're your host, TJ Bonavatura, that's me, and Julian Lewis, that's me. As founders of a podcast media company, we had to start a podcast. So join us each episode as we and our guests drop knowledge on podcasting for you, the curious and scrappy podcaster. Welcome to another episode of the Pod On Podcast. Today we have a special guest, Miss Anna McLean. Anna, want to go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks for having me. My name is Anna McLean, and I have my own small podcast production and consulting business in Portland, Oregon. Yeah. So we first heard about you on the Pop Podcast, and we definitely wanted to to reach out and just for people. Just so people know, the the Pop Podcast is the podcast on private podcasting. And I remember thinking like, man, JP has a podcast called Pop. Technically, we do too, right? Because it's a pod on podcast. And that's also Pop. He just has an extra P. But on that podcast, you were talking a lot about internal podcasts because that's right in the wheelhouse of what Storyboard does. But before we dive into how organizations can kind of launch podcasts both internally and externally, how did you even get into podcasting in the first place? And then how did you decide, like, I want to do this as a consultant on my own? Yeah. So I think like most podcasters, since it's pretty much a very young industry, I got into this kind of in a roundabout way. I started out in college radio and really thought I wanted to go into this kind of music radio world. And after interning with some stations, public and community stations, I got hooked up with a record label in Portland and ended up producing their podcast for them, their music business podcast, as well as doing some social media and PR and radio work for the label itself. So that was kind of my first foray into podcasting specifically. And then I just fell in love with it as this kind of medium where gatekeepers weren't as much of a player, I guess, in this really accessible medium. So then I started picking up some clients on the side just due to kind of the newness of the the medium. And this was, you know, 2015. So kind of post serial and, you know, that benchmark for the podcast boom. But what I found is that I was working as a producer and I found that a lot of clients really needed more hands-on kind of holistic help beyond audio and content production. You know, this world without gatekeepers also kind of means that you're kind of navigating this kind of open open industry in this way. So yeah, I just kind of found myself helping clients in a lot of different ways and wearing a lot of different hats, I think, as a lot of podcasters do. And it's kind of just developed from there. You mentioned gatekeepers there a couple times. Given your background in radio, and I'm very curious to hear your perspective on this because I know Julie and I have our own thoughts on it. What is the biggest difference between working in radio and, and creating, you know, a podcaster or having that idea of wanting to create a podcast? Yeah. So most of my extent of my work with in the radio world was really music related. And that's part of what I loved about college radio is there were no gatekeepers, nobody telling us, you know, what to do. It was kind of this DIY 
ethos. And then, yeah, I, I interned at a couple of different stations. One was a large public radio station and the other was a large community station. And I loved both of my experiences there, but I think, you know, it's just inherently there's a long history of different kinds of standards. There's a lot more bureaucracy and there are a lot more, maybe for better or worse, voices in the mix. And I think with a podcast, you know, you just have so much freedom. And and I have to actually tell a lot of my clients now, you can be more creative with what you're doing here. You don't have to adhere to what you've heard on NPR as, as great as all that stuff is. You know, you can really think outside the box here. And kind of one of my formative, you know, after I was kind of in the thinking I was going to do this radio thing, when I was working on the music business podcast, it was also a radio show. So it was this kind of interesting balance of creating it as a podcast first and then distributing it to, I think we had nine different community stations that we were distributing to. And just the standards, not in a bad way, (laughs) um, but, you know, even just the episode needed to be 59 minutes and 30 seconds long exactly, you know, things like that. And those little things can really add up, I think, for people who just want to kind of get their message out there and get their voice heard. So, yeah, now I'm, I'm just fully in the podcast world and I love it. I love that specific part you talked about when it comes to creativity. A lot of times we get questions from our clients, I, I'm sure you do too, where they may say like, you know, how often should I release? How long does it need to be? Can it be this? Can it be that? And a lot of times our answer is, why not? Is that what you want it to be? There is no formula here of success. You see consistent different structures. You see consistent types of, you know, editing styles or, you know, hosting styles. But like we try to get them to think outside the box because this is such a, you know, piece of clay that can be molded in so many different directions. And I think that's something that Jewel and I absolutely love about the industry and, and where it's going. And, you know, I say it in almost every podcast that we have that we put out, but it's in its toddlership, right? Right now it's past the infancy. We should do like a like a, a dollar jar every time I say <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. But it's it's so it's still so new. And and you know, everyone's like, oh, it's they're blowing up. It's like, ah, no, it's still continually it's still a lot of uncertainty yet. And we see a lot of big companies like iHeartRadio getting involved, you know, and there are big players in there. And so I think there's a lot of fear in the old school podcasters, if you will, of these old heads coming in and trying to turn it into radio, which is something that I really hope doesn't happen. But it's really good to hear that you have the same thought process of having your clients think outside the box. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you're right on the point with it, with just all those kind of seemingly small details that you'd think there would be this real standard that you have to adhere to with frequency, length, you know, all these things. I think there's a lot of misguided myths out there in the podcasting world about those things. And I I just encourage anyone who wants to start a podcast, you know, don't feel like you have to adhere to anything that anyone's doing right now. And on your point with the big players getting into it, and, you know, I, I feel optimistic about it. I think that it's, you know, Overall, I think the the profile of podcasts have been raised so much in the last five you know years, really. <laughs> and I just see, you know, especially for organizations and businesses who are getting into podcasting, and especially with internal podcasts, you know, you can almost ignore some of that stuff that's going on. It's really about you, your brand, your your employees, and the existing kind of communications that you're you're already engaging in. So yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm optimistic about it. 
That's great. And one thing that I want to touch on for the creativity piece, are there any specific things that you have to say or exercises that you give them so that they will think outside of the box? Because I think it's easy to point to like, here are some examples of podcasts that you kind of model off of, and then they could follow that guideline. But are there any exercises or things that you've said to brands or even individuals that are like, try this and then see how it works? I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, a lot of the shows I work on are interview style, which I think in the podcasting world can get a little bit of shade for being somewhat already done. But I think there's a lot of return for organizations and individuals who want to have these interesting conversations with people. So what I really encourage every client to do is to really, really, really lean into their niche, to identify that niche and see it as kind of their superpower Because that's another thing that kind of back to the radio piece, what you can do in this podcasting world is really have a podcast about anything. And, you know, I work with a a B Corp executive recruiter, and that's not necessarily a podcast that's going to be number one on Apple, but it's a great podcast. (laughs) And he gets to have these great conversations and, and be this thought leader in his kind of industry. So then part of leaning into your niche is really... Any podcaster, whether you're with an organization or you're an individual or you're a hobbyist, you know, I'm sure you, you all have heard this advice a million times. You know, it's identify your audience, identify why you're the person who should be making this podcast, identify what the value is that you're bringing to people. So I have just the short list of questions with those, you know, questions included and a few more before we even get into the branding, the name of the show, you know, the frequency, all of those things, it's really about identifying and answering those questions. And that kind of serves as this touch point along the entire process. You know, when you're thinking about the scope of an episode, does this go back to that value piece for the listener or the audience? And I think that can also spark a lot of creativity in people. And, you know, I'm working on more and more short episodes, and I think those constraints people want to create, like you all are, a 15-minute episode or even a five-minute episode. And having that box to work within actually can push people to really get into the content editing side of things, which can create a really interesting product. I think the restrictions of 15 minutes, that was kind of something that TJ sprung on me. And I was like, damn, I like to talk, you know, but to your point, like, let's get to the point, let's find a creative way to get there faster. And I think our last episode was like nine minutes, right? And so it's like, it's like, when we put those constraints on ourselves, like we can start to be more creative and be more concise and to the point. So kind of building off of that, we're talking a lot about uh, brands and whether it be an internal or external podcast, like what are the biggest needs that you're seeing from your clients in terms of where you're actually able to help beyond just the title of producer, which I know could be, you know, a catch all for a lot of different things. Yeah. I think in the, in the broad kind of scope of things, just being someone who can be a kind of trusted source when questions come up is is kind of the biggest value that I'm providing at this point. I think there's this, everyone at this point, not everyone, but most people, <laughs> especially people who want to start podcasts, have listened to podcasts before. They have an idea of what they want to do. They have an idea, whether it's right or wrong, of what goes into it. So really, like, my biggest kind of value add, I think, is really embedding myself with people where and meeting them where they're at. You know, I have clients who are super tech savvy. They understand all the equipment. They could put together an equipment list themselves. And then I have clients who have never used a microphone before. So it's really about meeting them where they're at and 
just trying to tailor what I'm offering to actually provide good service to everyone I'm working with. I think a lot of podcast companies have sprung up and, and some of them are really awesome. And, you know, some of them aren't necessarily customized or boutique and, and they're great services. But I think for someone who is new to this market and this industry and maybe doesn't have some of the traditional production skills or, or necessarily understand what goes into it, having a conversation with someone who is being very transparent about what goes into this process and the value that they're actually going to provide, you know, that's that's where I really see myself falling and, and other people too. And it, and it sounds like you guys are in that camp too. We definitely are. And I think the thing that consistently shocks me or doesn't shock me, but would catch me by surprise is the lack of time that's needed to create even a 15 minute episode or 30 minute episode and helping anyone who wants to start a podcast really get to the point of you need to dedicate resources to this. And it's not necessarily monetary resource. It's the time. It's going through restructuring the podcast. So, yes, you they think about the things that you've mentioned, cadence, how long it should be, what kind of style. But going into like, okay, let's come up with a plan. Like what is the value? What is the purpose of this podcast? What is it going to provide the listener? Who is the listener? Are you finding with your clients that fall into the organizational scope that they are they're just not understanding the purpose of the podcast? Right. Like how do you, how can you get them to the point where like, okay, I want to create a podcast where we're interviewing our, our leadership team. Okay. Well, why are you doing that? Like, I think helping them understand why they're doing it and who's going to listen will ultimately allow them to understand how long it can go for and how many resources they can dedicate it. And then ultimately the big, you know, ROI question of, you know, what is it going to drive to the organization? Yeah, I think the the ROI is a huge piece of it, especially when you're working with, you know, business people who kind of run on on these things, <laughs> understandably so. And I think a podcast ROI can be, it's very broad and it's very deep too. But as far as, yeah, working with my clients, I think bringing that kind of niche piece back into it really helps them to hone in on on that value. I think when I first start working with a lot of clients, there's kind of these questions of, oh, well, what about, you know, Apple or Spotify? What about, you know, this or that? And I kind of have to steer them away from it and say, and really set expectations around, you know, you're not necessarily going to be number one on Apple, but you will get these amazing <laughs> benefits out of starting a podcast. And I think those benefits are have traditionally not been as clear to people. I think there's this allure of podcasting that's really great and it gets people in the door, but there's this whole other world to the value that a podcast can bring an organization. And I think, interestingly enough, you know, this pandemic has really started to shift that because companies are understanding more and more that frequent, clear communication with their employees is absolutely critical right now. Uh, and podcasting is a really amazing tool for accomplishing that. So it's kind of seen as less this unconventional tool and more as a practical tool now. So I think there's more of an openness with different brands and leaders around that. And we've heard some interesting concepts around podcasting from that same perspective when thinking about the pandemic is they can't, like, for example, a marketing team came to us like, we can't do events. So we need to find, figure out a way to do events and we have an events team. So let's create a podcast as a way to drive new leads to our company to then ultimately, you know, drive the ROI that way. So they're thinking about it a little bit differently. We can't do events. So why don't we just do a different, a number of different podcasts that will substitute the events and the event budget that we have. And that way we can drive, you know, more customers that way, which I think is a great idea and something I never really thought of, but it's 
just one way where people are starting to think outside the box and definitely different companies here in, in Silicon Valley are, are thinking about it. Yeah. And one note that I was just going to add to that, TJ, is depending on the size of the company, there are restrictions to the amount of people that you could have live in any sort of, let's say, Google Hangout, for instance. And so what ends up happening is like you're having to then stream it. And so you're not getting that engagement that you would if it weren't streamed and it was just like a shared screen, then somebody has to think about like, man, I have to go back to my computer, sit in front of my computer and watch this training if I miss it. But it's like, there's such a value in being able to free your employees to take a lap around the block while they listen to something, you know, that frequent clear communications that Anna, that you were referencing. Yeah. It's that asynchronous component that I think is so unique to podcasts and Doing away with, I think video is amazing in a lot of instances, but you know, if you're catching up on a training or you're catching up on a, a webinar or a, you know, just a meeting, maybe you don't need the video component and employees are so overburdened right now. It's a really, really hard time to be working from home at all and having more control over your time, multitasking, et cetera. It's kind of the least companies can be doing for their employees right now, it's make it easy for them to check these boxes and, and make it engaging too. You know, a podcast is kind of unparalleled. You you guys know this, you know, the familiarity people feel with the host of a podcast is so strong. And, you know, like you said, depending on the size of the company, like some of these employees may have never met the host or the, they might be, you know, a high up leader in the organization. And it really can humanize and create the feeling of that one-on-one -on -one connection without actually, you know, having a phone call or, or a meeting one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And I think to that, like humanizing of that leader within the company, when they're on video, I imagine that they're a little bit more apprehensive of like where their hands are, what they're doing, what they're saying. But when they're in a room by themselves and they're just in front of a mic and they're not having to look at themselves or a large group of people, I imagine then in that moment, they're allowed to be more human. And so it's a benefit both for the employees, but also for that leader to really be more human to your employees and, and let them hear your voice and get to know you a little bit better as they're taking a stroll around the block or getting their workout in. And just back to something TJ said about, you know, the idea of this kind of events-centered podcast, I think one of the things that organizations can really think about when they're thinking about this is, or consider when they're thinking about this is that they don't have to do everything, accomplish everything in their podcast, you know, narrowing down and saying, we just want to fill this gap that was created by not being able to have events, or we just want to give a daily rundown to our employees about what's going on in the company or something, you know, totally out there. Every organization has a communication strategy that's already in place. You know, how can a podcast expand on that and support that? I think that's really what companies need to be thinking about when they're considering, you know, a podcast for their for their strategy. It's not a standalone piece. I couldn't agree more. Thinking about it as a modality, right? Like not thinking of it as the center piece of what you're trying to do around that communication strategy. What is it going to be part of like the larger benefit of who is going to be listening, whether it's going to be potential clients or whether it's going to be, you know, the employees internally. I was actually having this thought the other night where I was thinking about from a training and onboarding perspective where if you wanted to use podcasting as a modality in that way, a great opportunity to do that would be around setting the culture, right? So I think we've all been in situations, I know I have, I have where you're going on site for a training and the first day or the first half day is you're spending 
learning about the company, where it came from, what the culture is, how it came about, where the idea, all this, that, and the other about, you know, the basics and the concepts of, of the organization. To me, I feel like that would be a great opportunity to convert that into a podcast, an internal podcast, maybe potentially external, but most likely internal. And I think the benefits would be twofold. One, that's something that can be listened to, you know, Outside of a pandemic world, you listen to that on the bus, train, or plane on the way in. So you already have that background. Two, you're setting the standard of podcasting as being a part of the culture. So as you have people join the organization, now you have them downloading a private app like Storyboard, or maybe it's something that's been customized for that organization. And so now that new employee knows whatever they want to listen to something or get something that's being produced via podcast, they know where to go to get it. So you're setting that kind of that groundwork of how the, the company is communicating with their employees. Totally. I think hiring too has been so disrupted right now that, you know, yeah, any tools that, again, can humanize and convey that culture and, and make someone feel, it comes back to employee engagement, which I know every company out there is wanting to accomplish, you know, engaged employees are way more successful. The companies are way more successful <laughs> when they have engaged employees. And I think podcasting is one piece of that. You know, you can have podcasts that feature employees and employee accomplishments that feature teams who are doing different things. You know, there are a million ways to recognize employees and really bring them into the conversation. It's not necessarily just a one-sided, you know, talking at you kind of kind of thing. It's a lot more engaging than that. And it gets back to the question of why not. I think oftentimes these leaders who are kind of, or those within companies who want to start a podcast, well, we got to do it like this because this is how the industry has done things in the past. We can't do something like Serial. We can't do something like this other podcast. It's like, well, why not? Like, why can't you create a fun serialized podcast or put your little play on it where the benefit is the company is learning or the employee is learning something about the company or the end result is they need to take a survey and, you know, it's a some sort of end result that can be tracked, right? I think that's a big part of the ROI. Like, okay, well, you need to answer this survey. You need to fill out this form or whatever it may be. Those are things that you can add in the show notes that show value there. Again, it's that's where I think, again, the toddlership comes into play and, you know, really getting these creative people in the communications department to think outside of the box and find those people within the organization who could really be that, you know, that, that gem of a host that would really engage anybody that they're talking to. Totally. And I think that point about the ROI and, and specifically the call to action is a place where I really, really encourage clients to be creative. You know, there's no reason to tell people to find your podcast on Apple or to leave you a review. You know, it's really kind of from that infancy side of podcasting, um, you know, where can you really put that value in the call to action? What do you want people to do next? That's huge. And yeah, I just wanted to echo that. Yeah. And I don't want to make this, I know we've said storyboard or JP multiple times throughout this, and I don't want to make this like a branded podcast for him. But one thing I do want to say is I think it was just yesterday, they just released the ability for you to comment at a particular timestamp. And it's like, you can get employees engaged and to comment and like or whatever it is, like engage with your content and let you know what's working, what's not working. And we talked a little bit about that when we we're talking about the goals podcast because you can see where there's drop off. But now if somebody can say like, hey, at the five minute mark, I really loved learning about this. Can we go deeper into this? And then you can start to craft your podcast and your content around you know, what your employees are asking for. 
Totally. And I think the, you know, something that's important for every company who's getting into this is those kind of performance indicators, if you will, you know, the whether it's the call to action that someone's clicking on and they can track that. There's always that kind of hunger for really robust stats in podcasting. And I think it's getting a lot better, but it's always kind of one of those expectations I set with my clients right off the bat. It's kind of like, you're not going to get everybody's email necessarily, unless you're maybe going through a different kind of service or RSS feed. But it's that broadening of the ROI, which is both tangible and intangible. So that's always kind of a, an interesting conversation is, is what are quote unquote good stats for a niche podcast, you know? And I think it's really depends on every different case. <laughs> it's also kind of depending on and understanding the difference between quantity of listeners and quality of listeners, right? This is more for brand awareness type of podcast out there where it's, well, if you're talking about something that's specific to your company and you're in B2B sales or you're, you know, a software here in Silicon Valley, you're not going to get the hundreds of thousands, millions of listens. You may get like hundreds of listens. But know what? If those hundreds of listens are people that are coming back and listening time and time again, that's going to be more valuable to you than, than broadening the scope. Like if that's where, like you said, leaning into your niche, leaning into what's bringing value to you and what's important to the overall goal of the podcast in terms of what you're trying to accomplish as a company. Yeah. And, and TJ, to that point, you know, I, I worked for an agency back in the day and, you know, there's this large insurance brand that was trying to compete with the likes of Flow on Progressive and Mayhem for Allstate. And, like this is back when Facebook was all about driving up likes and how many likes can you get? You know what I mean? And with podcasting to your point about, you know, the quality versus the quantity, you can tell the quantity easily, right? But the quality is all about like how deep of a conversation are you able to have with your listeners if it's a branded podcast or with your employees if it's an internal podcast and making sure that not only are you monitoring based off of that quality, but then you're engaging back with them, whether it be like responding back to things that they're asking for or starting to surface some of that content that they really enjoy the most. Yeah, and it's understanding what what is the goal that you're even working towards in the first place. And that goes for internal and or like external public branded podcasts. You know, what is 100,000 listeners going to really get you? Maybe your goal is really to bring on new clients and have interesting conversations and gain some brand awareness. And that doesn't all necessarily have to fall under this quantity side of things. It could really be under the quality side. And it is about capturing maybe more of a percentage of your potential audience, understanding who is your potential audience. Not everyone is going to be your potential audience. And that's that could be true for a, an internal podcast too. You know, maybe there's one team who the company wants to focus on and, and have this podcast relate to, or maybe it's just a podcast that really is about serving remote employees or the niche part is exactly what you just said about the value that you see in it, but also the value that your listeners or audience are going to get out of it. I think too often, and it's, you know, many times marketers are the one leading the charge for podcasting, both internally and externally. They think about it as like a drip campaign and that's how they've got brought up within the organization. Like, okay, well, the more people we get, the more we can get them down the funnel, the more people that we can convert. It's not necessarily like that. I, th I really think podcasting is, you know, down the funnel type of process of, you know, you have people who are already committed to your business or are learning about your business and already thinking about working with your business. 
use that and reach them, really lean into how you're going to help them and then they'll become customers or maybe they'll renew with you or whatever. I think that's really where you need to think about podcasting from an organizational standpoint. I don't know if you agree with that or not, Anna. Absolutely. I think that's one of the reasons that podcasting has been such a huge success in the financial services industry because it really allows financial advisors to show potential clients what they're like. You're working really closely with this person. It gives a sense of familiarity to potential clients who might already be thinking about working with you. You know, it also goes into the discoverability piece of it where I don't see Spotify, Apple, some of the big players, not to keep calling them out by my name, they can handle it, you know, as I don't see them as valuable discoverability tools for my particular clients. I always encourage clients to go, where is your audience already living? Where are they spending their time? Maybe they don't even know what a podcast is yet but they might know about your brand or they might know about this industry specific magazine or this industry specific event or you know it's really about actually thinking about where your audience is and and that goes all the way down the line to that closing call to action you know if you just want some brand awareness out of it what are you asking people to do at the end if you want a new client out of it maybe you're asking people to sign up for your newsletter or website or or contact you for additional services, you know, clients don't need to think about it as swimming in this huge pool, you know, you can think about it as swimming in your industry and being an industry leader in the podcasting space. So I think that's important for new clients to understand. It's I think it's very daunting to look at the idea of podcasting and say, there are a million podcasts out there, how am I going to stand out, you know? You don't have to stand out against the backdrop of one million podcasts. That's exactly right. I, I guess my question for you, and you know, we talked about like the iHearts of the world, Spotify's Apples of the world, for an individual podcaster. Do you see that there's a value for brands entering the space and creating their own podcast? And and if so, like what do you think that value is? For brands entering the space as far as like these trying to be in this kind of like a, a player in these bigger things. I think that they can be very successful, but I guess it still goes back to the, you know, what are you hoping to get out of this? If you're Squarespace and creating an, a podcast, that's a, a kind of a different starting point than, you know, maybe a different brand. I think there is an opportunity for brands to be the presenting sponsor, if you will, for maybe a more creative show. There are some amazing voices out there that need that financing and, and need to also keep their creative control. I think that's something that's really important about podcasts. It's, it doesn't have to feel canned and it doesn't have to be stifled in this certain way. And, and brands can, you know, have this opportunity maybe to back an independent podcaster. Not that that would make them independent anymore, but, you know, that's just me riffing on it. But I think there's opportunities for the brand doesn't have to be the creative force necessarily behind the show, I guess is the bottom line. I think you answered that much better than I asked it, but I, I think like the the value of more and more brands seeing the value of potentially starting a podcast is that there are plenty of powerful and, and strong creators that are doing it on their own and they can really partner together to really up level the entire industry and, and you know that's potentially more ad dollars or more sponsorship dollars or more partnership deals for that individual contributor as much as it is for the brand. So I think it's only gonna help the overall industry. Totally. And I will just add a note because it's been in the news lately and, and coming from the music industry, I think it's really important for independent creators to really hold on to their IP around this stuff. And, and for brands who are looking to partner with individuals around podcasting to be responsible about those contracts too. And, you know, it really is more of a partnership and, and you know, you don't need to 
necessarily own own that IP to make a great podcast and and be part of a great show. So couldn't agree with you more there. I'm glad you mentioned that. I want to pivot real quick and talk about we you know we've touched on creativity a bunch. Like, what are some of the creative ways that you've seen your clients leverage podcasts? And you don't need to go into specifics, but like maybe like how they go to structure it. You know, doing something a little bit different and outside of the box, as you mentioned a little earlier. Yeah, well, I can talk about one very specific example that, I mean, it's just an episode that was released today that I I was working on. And, you know, in this, speaking of kind of boxes and constraints, this pandemic has created a lot of them. So that executive hiring podcast I was just talking about, we did a, a panel recently where we had, you know, this whole team who virtually hired someone, basically talking through the process. It was a little bit of a departure from our usual format, but we kind of took the chance to say, let's do something different. And I think that's something any podcaster can do is just say, I want to switch it up a little bit this week, try something new, see how it goes. And especially when there are wild things happening in the world, it's really important. And I think the last few months have really presented a lot of opportunities for that. You know, we were talking ahead of this a little bit about just some of the things that are going on in the world and, and how podcasters can respond to that. And Something that I've seen a lot with people and clients and have been navigating kind of for the first time in the last, in my career in podcasting, you know, we have these kind of two hugely world changing events happening right now. And something that comes up a lot with podcasters is, you know, how do I balance timeliness with evergreen content? And what I'm just really encouraging my clients to do is not see them as mutually exclusive right now. You know, (laughs) we're living in kind of a, like I said, a, a changing time and it's really important. I think from my perspective, at least, I think every niche has, has, is being affected by everything that's going on right now. And and there's something to be said about on every podcast, you know, maybe not an audio drama, but I think there's a lot of creative possibilities there. And, and I think a lot of podcasters can take this time to reflect on what they've been doing and and maybe switch it up and and use it as a chance to change things up. I love that you brought up kind of like the current events versus evergreen because people see them as separate things, but to your point, they're not. And like in every current event, there's a lesson to be learned that can be evergreen, right? And, you know, with what's going on, you know, right now, we talked about the pandemic, you know, with all the racial injustice issues that are happening in the world, this is really a good opportunity for a company to uplift some of the voices that have been silent or have been underrepresented and really allow for them to come forward and, and really speak to that. And I, I honestly haven't seen a brand do that quite yet, but I definitely think it's something that they should really think about. Or just have leadership address any issue through a recording, you know? It's one thing to see a public notice I think we've all experienced different organizations and how they've responded to everything that's going on. And it's either going to be like a public statement or it's an email that's sent in, you know, who knows who wrote that? Who knows if that's really what leadership stands for? Why not can make that a podcast? Why not make that an internal message where people can actually hear the inflection in someone's voice, where they can get more of a reality of what they're dealing with? And that's racial injustice, that's pandemic, that's dealing with everyone being remote, it's working, you know, moms and dads with kids at home, like these are all things that everyone is are dealing with. And again, audio empowering through audio is just such a, a good way to to get across that message versus some sort of what could potentially come across as a tone deaf message via email. Totally. And I think it opens, you know, having real conversations with real voices 
opens people up to, you know, all, especially on the, you know, racial justice, these conversations really require some vulnerability, especially when you're looking at, you know, brands and organizations who actually want to make change for the better. And I think having those conversations over a podcast is, is a great medium for that. And even, you know, outside of that, I think there are opportunities for even like DEI trainings and things through podcasts, something as dry as that, you know, <laughs> but there could be real actual conversations there. And I think I just started working with a client and part of the catalyst, I think, for them to start their podcast there in the nonprofit world was due to an incident not within their organization, but with another organization and wanting to have real conversations around that and have a space for it where they weren't finding that space in their existing communications. So I thought that was really, really interesting. And I really respect that inclination, I guess, for trying to think of a better word. But it's a great way to to kind of open up the hood behind a company, right? And really let yourself be raw and vulnerable. I think oftentimes, companies don't do that. They got to be buttoned up. They have a board, they have advisors, they have objectives, KPIs, numbers they got to hit quarter over quarter. But sometimes being vulnerable and sometimes letting yourself be open to criticism is actually good and will lead to more of that employee engagement and empowerment to, you know what, I'm really happy I work for this company because while maybe they made a mistake, they owned up to it and this is how they owned up to it. Or you know what, they believe in doing this and this is how they're making the change. And those are things, again, that sometimes they can get lost in the email, right? Or they can get lost in just everyday conversation. And if you can really get the raw emotion of whomever is making that message is, is going to go, you know, leaps and bounds over any other medium, in my opinion, at least. Yeah. The human element that we were talking about earlier, you assume it's a lot less vetted by PR and policy team when it comes from the voice versus from the written note. I want to quickly pivot. I know we're running long on time. And for this podcast, I think there's been so much valuable information that anybody could take from this and kind of run with. And, you know, specifically for that curious and scrappy podcaster at an organization, like how should they advocate to bring it to their organization? Or what can they do to really say to like their head of X, like, hey, we should be doing a podcast? Yeah, I think there are two main points there. One is kind of what we've already touched on as pitching it as part of the organization's larger communication strategy. It's much less daunting to think about starting a podcast when you already have a newsletter, a blog, you know, there are already tie-ins. There's already work that your teams are already putting in to create great content. A podcast can be one more step in that. And the other side of it is, and this ties into budget too, I think, you know, for bigger companies, it's less of a concern, but no matter, you know, what you can... And back to standards piece too, you know, and the creativity piece, actually, it's really figuring out how you can leverage your resources and your existing team to create a podcast. And it is very doable. It's just a matter of identifying everyone's skills and strengths and, and really figuring out, okay, what do we have covered and what do we need help with? And I think that's huge because any organization with any budget can make it happen. It's just a matter of getting creative about how you're doing it. I love the newsletter point of view that you mentioned because this is I had a conversation with a friend who is in charge of writing the newsletter for a fairly large organization. And she's like, I wish I could just do like a snack. So the Robin Hood Snacks podcast is incredible for anyone who hasn't listened to it. It's just very fun and bubbly. And it's really just it condenses a daily newsletter into 10 minutes of just really awesome content. That 
at first, there'll be like if a company wanted to do something similar, there's a lot of upfront work to be done. And I think that's the biggest thing that we always come across is this isn't going to be easy. It's going to be rough. It's going to take a lot of time. But the more you do it, the more consistency you're going to have with knowing when you need to record. How long do you need to edit for? Do I need to offload this, that, or the other to somebody else? And once you get that ball rolling, it's going to be just second nature and part of your day-to-day. So I, I love that idea around the, the newsletter and, and, and creating something, you know, in tandem. Again, is that modality. Yeah, totally. And I, I think it's it's hard, you know, with clients, sometimes they want, you know, just can I just have the the workflow and the and the rundown and just tell me exactly what to do when? And it goes back to the you know, how are you leveraging your team and, and what does their day-to-day look like already? And that's something, you know, I, I do a lot of is just embedding myself and figuring out, okay, what is a realistic production timeline for you? How frequent should the podcast actually be released? And what are you already, you know, doing that you can tie into? And I think it does, it, I don't want to diminish the work that goes into it up front because podcasts can be a lot of work. And I think it's part of, you know, when you're thinking about creating one, I'm actually, you know, <laughs> I'll tell clients, I want to make sure you really want to do this. Not that you can't just stop if you start, but you know, to really get a return on your investment, it's about creating a sustainable strategy and workflow. And even if that's just a six episode series or, you know, something like that, or maybe it's a daily podcast, really understanding what you're getting into and the time that you do need to invest up front for something that is sustainable long term and, and really is just part of the day to day work that's going on in your in your company will really pay off. And if they don't have a project manager internally who's going to own this, they got someone like you who can do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> With that said, where can potential clients find you? What's the best way to reach you? Yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn. My name on there is Anna Olivia McLean. And I have a website, which is aomclean.com. And I'm always down to talk about anything podcasting related with anyone. I love hearing about people's ideas and concerns and, you know, just the creative ideas people have. It's always fun. Love it. I think I'm going to start calling you the embeddable podcast producer. <laughs> I like that. I need a, I need a good tagline. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, Anna, thank you so much for joining us on the Pod On Podcast. And we'll make sure to definitely link your information in the show notes. Thank you guys so much. It's been really fun. Pod On. Every episode of the Pod On Podcast is produced and edited by Studio Pod Media. For more information about our work and our clients, go to studiopodsf.com. Shout out to Gary Oakland for the fire track. Gary O!